Church, uh, today the Lord has given me a word, and I consider this an end times word because I believe that we really are in those times that we see in so many passages of, of the Bible that describe what those end times will really look at like. I go to news sites sometimes, and I one of the things that I like to do at the news sites on the, on the web is look at the remarks below those comment sections, below the news articles. And one of the things that I noticed is that those, those comment sections are filled with scoffers. I mean, there is scoffing going on big time. So um, the Bible has a lot to say about that kind of stuff, scoffing. So I want to I talk about that a little bit. Um, in 2 Peter, We'll get this up on the on the big screen here in a minute. In Second Peter chapter three, Peter is actually writing about the end times, and he says this: knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Scoffers are going to come with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, "Where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were." From the beginning of creation what a description of the times that we are living in right now people say well where is God right where is God where is he people are scoffing so I went to the store I went first I went to Lifeway and then I went to Mardell and neither one of those stores had this this is a can of scoff off <laughs> Huh. Actually, it's, it's really an imaginary can. Imagine that. Um, scoff on. It says it's also effective on mockery, jeering, sneering, ridicule, personal attacks, <laughs> disparagement, criticism, trash talk, and gossip. Whoa, that's a pretty good list. Everybody needs a can of scoff on. And so it says here at the bottom, it says active ingredients. See the book of Nehemiah. See the book of Nehemiah. So that's where we're going to go today. If you want to follow along with me as I get ready to preach, uh, Nehemiah is the last of the historical books in the Bible. All you got to do is go to Psalms. It's in the middle of your Bible, Psalms. And then turn left towards Genesis, a couple of books, you're going to find Nehemiah. So you can turn there. Before we go to Nehemiah, um, I want to tell a story, a personal story about um, something that, that happened to me when I was young that will help illustrate this message for all of you. When I was 17 and a half years old, and this was right at the end of the Vietnam War era, right at the end of the war era, um, when I was 17 and a half years old, I received an appointment to one of the service academies here in the United States. And at that time, the service academies were um, all male, all male. And because they were all male, there was still a lot of hazing that was taking place in those service academies. So I was appointed to the Coast Guard Academy, and it was, it was a good experience. It was very difficult. There was a lot of 
a lot of uh, hazing. It was a physical challenge like you really can't believe, and a mental challenge as well. It was really, really tough. We lost a lot of the guys that came in uh, during that first summer during basic training. But it was at the end of basic training, at the end of basic training, and for some reason, and I can't, I can't remember exactly why, for some reason there was a group of about 12 of us that had an opportunity to go to a local beach there in Connecticut. And so we got in the van and we're like, oh yeah, we're done with training. This is awesome. We get to see some regular people, some real people. And I'm 17 and a half years old. I didn't see some girls. I just told it like it is, you know. Yeah. So off we go into the, the van and we go down to the beach and we pour out of the van and let me tell you, this is at the end of the Vietnam War era, so military people are not really well received at this point. We have buzz cuts like you read about. We have tidy blue bathing suits and light blue t-shirts and we have a name and our number on the bathing suit right here. And we have government issued flip flops and we have white towels and we pour off <laughs> this van at the beach, you know, we're like, yes, here we are, we're at the beach. Let the fun begin. Well, <clears throat> the people that were at the beach, remember this is kind of the mid 70s, it's, uh, it's long hair, man, it's B-52s. The guys have mullets and everything and they're wearing flowered, flowered, you know, big, bright swimsuits and, and uh, they see us pour out and we are not received. <laughs> Let me tell you. Matter of fact, they began to scoff at us and jeer at us. And pretty soon, it's so bad that we're literally kind of organized into about a 60-yard section of beach by ourselves. And everybody just having fun around us. And it's okay, you know. We're still out of the base. And it's awesome. We're kind of free. We have enough room to throw our government-issued frisbee back and forth. <laughs> so, times are good. But every time we would throw the frisbee towards somebody and, and they would catch it, they'd bring it back to us and kind of curse us out. True. True story. This is, the, this is the way things work. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I, for those of you that served in Vietnam or you served in theater in Vietnam, the story that I'm telling is not to diminish in any way your sacrifice and your service. As a matter of fact, I honor you and thank you for your service. I really do. Um, I only tell you this story so that I can illustrate this word that God has given me to speak to all of you. But it was not a good time for military people in, in, in that era. And we experienced it in a big way. In a big way. So, have his, everybody turned to Nehemiah? Because what we're going to find out in Nehemiah is we're going to find the active ingredients. And in, yes, you guys did. Scoff. <laughs> so, before I get started, let me pray. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth, Lord. Help me to deliver the word that you have given me to your people, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that their hearts are softened to hear and to receive 
everything that you want to speak to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll set the stage for the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah takes place about 150 years or so after the Jews are carted off into captivity in Babylon. But the book of Nehemiah actually takes place in the subsequent kingdom to Babylon, that is the kingdom of Persia. And it opens up with Nehemiah in the house of, in the palace of, of the king of Persia. And he's in a citadel city called Susa, or maybe in your Bible it says Sushan. And he, he receives his brother back from Jerusalem. Now, about 70 years before these things take place, um, some of the Jews, very small number of Jews, left Babylon and returned to Jerusalem. And they went back uh, and were able to build the temple. But we see in Ezra, the book of Ezra, that they were unable to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So... Nehemiah is sitting in the citadel city. He is a, he's never been to Jerusalem, but his heart is for Jerusalem. His heart is for Jerusalem. Just like all of our hearts should be for Jerusalem. We should be aware of what is going on in Jerusalem. If it's important to God, it ought to be important to us. Jerusalem is important to God for sure. So we ought to be aware of what's taking place in Jerusalem even today. Nehemiah is in the, palace of the king. He receives his brother back from Jerusalem and his brother says tells him in the first few chapters, and by the way in the first few verses of Nehemiah, there is a very specific date that is set. And these dates are really important to prophetic things and I'm not going to go there today, but the, the dates are very important that are contained in the book of Nehemiah. So we know the date and uh, Nehemiah receives his brother to the palace and he says, hey, hey, bro, what's happening in, in Jerusalem? And, and the brother gives a bad report. He says, hey, things are bad. The, the walls are still torn down and the people are without protection. And this breaks Nehemiah's heart to the point where he just says, he falls down on, on the ground and he's grieved and he can't even stand up anymore. And so... He begins to do what we ought to do, what we all ought to do in these circumstances. And so in verse 5, he begins to offer up a mighty prayer to the Lord God Almighty. He says, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me, and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven. From there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man 
Now I was cupbearer to the king. So, Nehemiah is getting ready to go to Jerusalem and face scoffing. But the first ingredient in this scoff-off is prayer. Nehemiah offers up a mighty prayer, and it's a prayer that's not just an ordinary prayer, but he prays with praise to the Lord God Almighty, and he prays God's promise right back to God. He says, you remember what you promised God, now's the time to act. This is a powerful prayer. When we pray God's promises, these are powerful prayers. And we should take that into account as we pray, but the first active ingredient in Scoffoth is prayer. So, we go on to chapter 2, and in the first few verses of chapter 2, there's another date that's set, and this date is actually four months from the time that, the, that uh, Nehemiah offered up his prayer to the Most High God, so four months have elapsed. i got to think that during this four months, that Nehemiah is in prayer big time, right? He's in prayer. He's praying to God, God, what are you going to do? What, what's going to happen here? Man, you've got to rebuild Jerusalem, God. You've got to do it. And so I'm sure that God speaks to him and says, yep, I am going to do it. You're going to do it. So at this point, Nehemiah receives his purpose. Everybody say purpose. 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 So in verse 4 of chapter 2, we pick up and it says, Oh, by the way, yep, purpose is the second ingredient that's listed right here. So the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. So the king is going to send him to Jerusalem. And, but Nehemiah doesn't stop there. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Awesome, awesome. So what Nehemiah is doing in this passage, he goes to the king, that is the authority, um, and says, look, I, I, I need these things, I need these provisions, and I need this permission. What he's doing is he's making preparations to fulfill the purpose that God has given him. Everybody say preparation. preparation. Yep. Preparation is in here. So, that's one of the active ingredients of scoffing. So Nehemiah, a little bit later in chapter 2, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. He travels the 800 miles from Susa or Sushan to Jerusalem and he goes out and he kind of in secret he inspects the walls. It's bad news. Bad news. Not good. So he contacts the local officials there in Jerusalem and he reveals to the local officials what, after he's 
made his inspection, he says, hey guys, listen, God has given me this mission. I'm on, I'm on a mission. I have a purpose. I've come here. We are going to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. And they're a little bit dicey about it, but then he says, and oh, by the way, the king of Persia has given me the okay to do it. And they're like, okay, then let us rise up and build. Let's rise up and build, okay? You got the permission, you got everything you need, let's go. So they go out and there are two local authorities that are in Jerusalem, in the land of Judah. They're actually appointed by the king of Persia and there are guys named Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. Now these guys are, we believe, at least Sanballat is a Jew. But in, in, in Nehemiah 2.19 it says, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us. So they heard that Nehemiah is there on a mission. He's going to rebuild the, the wall. He's going to do what God has purposed him to do. And all, all of a sudden he's already got jeering and, and, and people despising him. Listen, church, a lot of people cannot deal with scorn. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people that would rather die than be laughed at by people. At the very least, at the very least, the fear of being laughed at by somebody has caused us, can manipulate us to do things that we know are not right to do. That's how strong that fear is. But keep in mind that when you're on a mission from God, when God has purposed to, for you to do something, who are you going to fear? Are you going to fear man? No, you are not. You're going to fear God. Amen? That's, that's the people that we need to be. We're going to regard God before we regard men when we're doing what God has commanded us to do. So the second part of 2.19 says, they continue on and they said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Now these questions really, really, really go to illustrate exactly the heart of these two authorities that are in the land. They know, well, actually they don't know, but they see that the king of Persia is the highest authority. The king of Persia is the highest authority in the land. They're not regarding God's authority, God's law, God's rule at all. And so it is in today's day and age here in the United States of America in some cases. We have appointed officials over us. We have elected people in authority over us. And some of those people, I'm not saying that we're that we're going to rebel and, and do things that are non-scriptural, but some of those people that are in those positions have no regard for the authority of God. They have no authority for the uh, regard for the authority of God. As a matter of fact, they mock God. And they say, we can pass this law, or we can do this, or we can do that, and everything's going to be fixed, and everything's going to be fine. And that's wrong. And we need to be aware of that. These are the times that we live in. Just like Sanballat and Tobiah, yeah, they had authority in the land, but they were disregarding the authority of God overall. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, Sanballat 
and Tobiah, they don't even know what they're talking about, and this is exactly what people that scorn will do to us. You see, they're saying, what are, you, are you rebelling against the king? They don't know that in his pocket, Nehemiah has letters of authority from the king. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah is a personal friend of the king. He's been serving the king as a cupbearer. They don't know what they're talking about. And a lot of times when you receive scoffing or somebody comes against you and, and, and mocks you because of what you say, it's not because they know anything. As a matter of fact, they don't know who you are serving, the most high God, the ultimate authority. But they will throw it out there to see if it'll stick and whether it'll have an effect and divert you from the purpose that God has for you. That makes sense? They'll throw it out there. They don't know what they're talking about half the time. You know, you come across people that say, well, the Bible, you know, it's not even true. Oh, yeah? Show me. You know? But what they do is they throw it out there to take you out of your day. No, the Bible is true. So in, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 20, Nehemiah replies to these mockers and scoffers, and he says, Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. You see, at this point, Nehemiah is recognizing and he's communicating to those that mock and scoff. He recognizes the God of heaven as the source of his success. Everybody say power. Power. Yep. Power's in there. So then in chapter 3, and we're not going to read all of chapter 3, but if you turn to chapter 3, you're going to see a list of names and families and people. What happens in chapter 3 is that Nehemiah goes in and says, okay, guys, we're going to build the wall, and he surrounds himself with people of like mind and like purpose. And they begin to build the wall. Um, so it is with us here in this place. When we come together like this as a congregation, we are surrounding ourselves for the most part with people of like mind and like purpose, people that understand that the kingdom of God needs to be built here on the earth. Amen? So we come together, we are like those people there in Nehemiah coming together. So Nehemiah surrounds himself with people. And yes, people is an active ingredient here in Scotland. <laughs> Billy Graham said that courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. Um, when we come together as a congregation, it always encourages me when I see a brother or a sister that is facing something that to me is unbelievable in terms of circumstances. And they're facing it with grace and and strength and endurance and perseverance and I think man that just encourages me it gives me courage if I if I face the same thing and likewise there are times where I know that I can come to you and you may be struggling with a situation and I may be able to give you a word from God or I may be able to give you some kind of encouragement or a testimony of something that I've overcome that will encourage you likewise so courage is contagious. It's important for us to be together as a people in order to accomplish what God has given us to do here on the earth. Amen.
And then in Nehemiah 4.2, as they're building the wall, um, Sanballat shows up again and he says, in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? I don't get this because he's a Jew. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? And then Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. It's pretty lame, actually. If a fox goes on it, it's gonna break up. So really, uh, I think that we need to send Tobiah the Ammonite back to mockery school. He's losing territory here. And um, Nehemiah responds in a way that's a little bit different than he's responded up until now. He says, hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. At this point, you can see that Nehemiah doesn't even care about addressing the scoffers anymore. He's got it handled. Now he just says, you know what, God? Take care of these guys, really. Take care of them. You deal with them. Amen. Amen. You deal with them. And I love the statement that is contained in that passage. So, hey, we built the wall. Just like that. So we built the wall. Yeah, surrounded by mockers, scoffers. So we built the wall. We did what God told us to do. And through there, and though there's some more trouble and some more opposition, um, we see in Nehemiah 6, 5, or 6, 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul. In 52 days, in 52 days, the Jews, working together with purpose, finished the wall, restored the wall of Jerusalem. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. And so that's the, really the story of how Nehemiah, how he conquered scoffers. How he conquered scoffers. So those are the ingredients in scoffer, there's prayer that's filled with praise and the promises of God. It's in there. Purpose, a good purpose, a purpose that's commissioned by our good God. There's preparation, knowledge that God is going to provide those things that we need to accomplish the purpose that he gives us. And that he'll, he will do those things that we need to prepare us to accomplish his purpose. There's power, God's mighty power working in us and through us. And then there's people, it's God's people encouraging us and coming together and calling us to a higher standard and working together and calling us out if we need to be called out as well. Calling us out if we need to be called out. If I need to be called out. I encourage you to go ahead and call me out on something. It's not a problem. That's what you're here for. So I want to wrap this up a little bit. I want to kind of return to the beach story. 
Because something else happened on that day. <clears throat> We're spending our good time on our 60 yards or so of beachfront. And even though fairly often we're kind of having a little bit of a confrontation with the scoffers and the mockers and those people that are despising us around us, it's okay because we're, having a, we're trying to have a good day. Two things happened. There was a jetty that stuck out into the ocean there and um, some kid went out on the jetty and jumped off the jetty, or it was a rock jetty stuck out there. Some kid jumped off the jetty and got caught in a riptide and began to be pulled out into the ocean. And at that point, all of those people that were around us that were wearing the cool swimsuits and had the <laughs> hair, they came running to us they came running to us and they, hey guys, look, that kid's drowning. Save him. And we're like, really? Yeah. So several of us went and did what we were trained to do. We went out and saved the kid. Amen. And then a little bit later, I mean, it was not very long after that, um, we're, we're already, you know, we saved the kid, and now it's back to situation normal. We're, we're shunned again. And so we're on our little beachfront. And then some, some people come running up, hey guys! Yeah? Hey, a Portuguese man of war just washed up over there. Can you guys handle it? Now, Portuguese men of war are something that you don't want to jack with. You know, even if they're on the beach, you don't want to me messing with them. So I remember that we went over there and we picked up the sail of the Portuguese man of war in our government issue frisbee and uh, several of us kind of scooped up the tentacles because the tentacles can be really, really long and we disposed of that Portuguese man of war and you know, it, it didn't matter that these people that were surrounding us um, had been mocking us, scoffing us, despising us, cursing us literally all day long. When something had to happen, they came and got us. You know, I think that this story probably will resonate with some of you that, that are in here that are in law enforcement because it's the same way. It's the same way. It was a terrible time to be in the military then, but they did recognize that we were prepared, that we had a purpose to do something, and that's who they turned to when they had a need, right? <clears throat> it's like this with all of you that are here. There's coming a time, brothers and sisters, and I really believe this, that you are going to directly encounter scoffing and mockery and disparagement simply because you say something about the Bible or you say something about what well, the word of the Lord says. And immediately people are going to come against you because you take that stand and you're going to be scoffed. Some of you are probably have already received that, but here's something that I know will happen. I know that this is gonna happen. There's no doubt in my mind that there will be a time, and the time is coming soon, that those same people that mocked you and scoffed are gonna to come to you 
And they're going to say, you know what? Can you pray for me? Can you tell me about this God that you love and that loves you? And when that happens, you need to be prepared with everything that's in here. You need to be prepared with everything that's in here. Because it's going to happen. And it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You're going to operate with grace and forgiveness and mercy. And you're going to recognize that you have a high calling on your life. Every one of you. So um, I'm going to go ahead and bring the worship team back up here. And we're going to do one of the songs that we did earlier today. And just ask God during this time as we sing to Most High God. I just want to ask God for each of us to seal the word that has been spoken here. Um, and then I'll come back up and I'll pray over all of us. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on Thank you. 